Good morning, Horizon. Um, let's make sure these are working. Okay, great. We are actually in the last week of this sermon series that we've been tackling, Keeping the Fire, How to Keep Our Spiritual Fire Burning in Our Lives. Um, and I do see some new faces, so that's great, and I'm glad you guys are here, but um, let's open in prayer, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap this series up with our very last message. Lord, thank you for your presence this morning. Um, we can already feel it. We know that you're here. We know that um, you love us. Lord, I just pray for the words that are about to come, um, that they are yours and yours alone. I pray that they fall where they need to fall and in the hearts that need to hear them. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room that, um, that it would mean something, that this message would um, be something that we can really take to heart and then put into practice this week. Lord, we love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Okay. So like I said, it's the final week, right? And this entire series of keeping the fire has sort of come out of this verse in Leviticus. So we've covered this each week, but for those of you who are new, we're going to recap it again. So it's all about this idea that the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Now, for me, whenever I read scripture and I hear the exact same thing said twice, I know, like, it's really important. We're supposed to listen to this. We're supposed to listen to all of scripture, but especially when they repeat themselves. So we've taken this verse and we've come up with this entire series of how do we keep the fire burning in our own spiritual life. And Mark and Ryan have done awesome jobs the last three weeks talking about all these different elements that a spiritual fire needs. So fuel, things like the word of God, prayer, worship, obedience, heat. This is community, keeping those coals burning, making sure that other people around us are also on fire for God. And then last week, Mark talked about oxygen, making sure that the breath of God, that the Holy Spirit is present so that we can keep our spiritual fire going. And this week, the last one, we're going to talk about an offering, that this is the final element, this is the last piece, a living sacrifice. And so as we talk about that, we're probably thinking, what exactly does that mean? And what is a living sacrifice? Maybe your mind conjures up ideas of Abraham having to be asked to sacrifice Isaac. Maybe you're thinking of Christ, who is the ultimate living sacrifice. But really what we're talking about today is a sacrificial lifestyle, a change in the way that we live that involves repeated sacrifice over and over to God. And when we talk about a living sacrifice, we're talking about a few very specific things. You see here at Horizon, one of our core commitments is to live a life of sacrificial giving. And so we're talking about not just our money, although our wealth and the things that we own is part of it, but also our time, also our talents, the God-given gifts that we've been given. How do we sacrifice these very specific things over to God in a way that creates a spiritual fire burning in us. And you know, I think it's interesting. I'm glad that they save this one for last. Because if you, if you go back to that Leviticus verse, right? It's not just enough to start the fire with an original offering and then keep the fire going and stoke the fire over and over. Every day, the priests were instructed every morning to add more, arrange a new burnt offering, Right? a fellowship offering, 
The offering is something they had to do over and over, and it's the same in our lives. So coming back to this, we know that we're going to be talking about an offering today, and I think the reason we save this for last is because of one key thing. Our offerings are what God uses to show up in power. Now, God's presence is there. If you were to just have fuel, heat, and oxygen, God's presence is going to be in your life. You're going to feel it. There'll be a spark. But scripture, time and time again, shows us that it's when a sacrifice is laid down, that's when the fire, literally, the fire of God shows up and consumes and engulfs that. So that's where we're going to go with today. You see, Bill Johnson says, fire always falls on sacrifice. Always. I don't know if he meant that in a literal way or if he was using scriptural references, which we're going to dive into. But I love that he says this because what that reminds me, what that makes me feel is that if I truly, truly want the fire of God in my life, if I am willing to live out a sacrificial lifestyle, God will not withhold his power from me. His presence is going to show up in ways that we cannot even fathom. But fire always falls on our sacrifice. So let's kind of look at some of the scriptural references. Like, where did he even get that? What does that mean? What does it look for fire to fall on sacrifice? And the first one that we're going to talk about is Aaron. So Moses, in the verses right before the ones we're about to look at in Leviticus, Aaron and his sons have just gone through sort of their ordination process, right? They've been ordained. And then in the next chapter of Leviticus 9, Moses is preparing them to begin their ministry, And so he says, this Moses says, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do so that the glory of the Lord, the fire of the Lord may appear to you. Moses said to Aaron, come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. Again, he repeats himself. So I think we're supposed to listen. But this is amazing to me because you know what happens, right? They're ready. They're ready to serve the Lord. And so they do exactly what Moses instructs them to do. Aaron uses the next 18 verses, which I'm not going to go over with you because it's a very grotesque description of this ritual. And he goes through the steps of what it is to give a, a, a sacrifice like that exactly as he was instructed. And by the end of it, after 18 verses of talking about what that sacrifice looks like, you know what happens? Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Maybe they didn't believe it. Maybe they didn't think it was really going to happen. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. But when Moses said, do this, and you're going to see the power and the presence of the Lord appear, I don't know what they were thinking, but I don't think it was that. And I do think it's interesting that it's very clear Fire did not just come out of the offering. It came from the presence of the Lord. God showed up in power, and he consumed the offering that was put there. That's only one example. Here's another one. This is with Elijah. So he's on Mount Carmel, and he's challenging these prophets of Baal. Now, there's a whole long story behind this, as there usually is. And so we're going to jump in sort of in the middle, and I'm going to fill in the spaces in between. Otherwise, there would be like 10 slides pure of Scripture. So starting in 1 Kings 18, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So he sets them up for a challenge. 
This is how he decides he's going to show them who the true God is. He says, get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves, right? He lets them choose first, thinking they're going to take the best one. And then he says, and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but don't set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God, capital G, God. And so they're up for it. Remember, there's one, one prophet for the Lord versus 450 who are worshiping Baal. So they say, yeah, we'll take you up on that. No problem. And so they do exactly what they're told to do. They prepare this offering in their traditions and the way that they would do it. And they call on the name of Baal over and over. And they create a ruckus. And absolutely nothing happens. Because he's not God. And so Elijah gets a little cocky. And he says, you know what? I'm going to up the game. I'm going to start taunting you. And he does. He's like, oh, Where's your God now? Is he asleep? Why didn't he show up? You guys say he's God. Where is he? And so they, even more in their fervor, they start cutting themselves. There's blood everywhere. This was their practice. They're literally sacrificing their own blood in an effort to get their God to show up. And none of it works, you guys. It stays silent. Everything remains silent because their God doesn't exist. And so finally, it's Elijah's turn, and he's like, okay, great. You put on your show. Now let, my, let me show you what God can actually do. And he prepares his offering just like he said he would do. But then he takes it a step further. He ups the ante, and he says, not only am I going to sacrifice this for God the way that I know my God has called me to do, I'm going to make it even harder for you to believe that my God could do this. And so he asks them, he says, now come and pour water, huge jugs of water, I think four jugs of water, and he says, pour it all over the offering. They had dug a huge trench around his offering and his altar. Do it again, he says, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he says. They did it again. There was so much water soaking his offering that the trench around it was filled to the brim, okay? So can you get this picture? These people are like, all right, listen, maybe our God didn't show up. I don't know why Baal didn't show up today, but there's no way your God can consume what you just put out there. There's no way. It is soaked. We know that fire doesn't work with water. So he says, try me. And this is how it ends. Even after all that water was poured out, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and licked up all the water in the trench. Not only did he consume the actual sacrifice that was put on it, he consumed everything around it, so much so that he could even absorb all of that water. Now, maybe the water doesn't seem like a big deal to us in this story, but if you guys were here in week one or if you've gone back to listen to the podcast, maybe you remember Mark saying that there are things that dampen our spiritual lives, our spiritual fire, right? Like a wet blanket, he said. So disappointments, betrayals, there are things that make it really hard for us to keep our fire going. But do you know what this scripture tells us? Not only is it just another example of how the fire of the Lord fell on a sacrifice, it also shows us that even when our spiritual fire is dampened, God responds powerfully, powerfully to our sacrifice. More than any other element of the four that we've talked about, it's when their sacrifice laid down, he brings his fire. 
and consumes us. So, that's great, right? We understand where this is coming from and, and what Bill Johnson is talking about when he's talking about a sacrifice. But now, how do we do it? Why would we choose to live this sacrificial lifestyle? It doesn't sound too fun. But there's a few reasons why, and it is key. So if we really want that spiritual fire, this is why we do it. The first reason is to honor the new covenant. Now, we don't do what they were doing in the Old Testament anymore, right? That's not how we're called to worship the Lord anymore. And I'm sorry I don't have the name of this Catholic priest who did this amazing sermon, and it was transcribed, and I read it. So I have a quote from him, but I don't have his name, so I'm sorry to him. But this is what he said, and it was so beautiful. He said, instead of offering ritual sacrifices in order to gain God's favor, Christians are now called to a different form of worship. We don't earn God's mercy by offerings of grain and bulls. We express our gratitude for his mercy through our new way of life. Instead of ritual sacrifices of the old covenant, we are now engaged in the great adventure of making our entire lives into a living sacrifice, an entire life made holy in Christ to give glory to God. This is the new directions that we're given. Just like Aaron had to go through 18 verses of a step-by-step ritual, we don't do that anymore. This is it. This is the whole key. And so we talk about a new covenant And it's this, it's that our sacrificial lifestyle has become the new offering. Even though the things that we pour out, right, what we're offering up has changed, it's no longer grain and bowls, God's fire will fall nonetheless. Here's the thing. If you go back and you you read Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 8, and you want to read about this new covenant, that's the dividing line, guys. When Christ came, the ultimate living sacrifice, the literal living sacrifice, everything changed because we no longer have to do that, what we were called to do back in the Old Testament. Now it is new. And as you read through Hebrews and it talks about that, it says, Christ is the high priest of the new covenant. He is the mediator between the old and the new. And our new way of life, let me tell you, is better. I would rather do this and live this way than have to slaughter animals the way that Aaron had to do because it was disgusting and it was repetitive. I would much rather give my life, my resources, my time, my treasures, my talents over to God through a sacrificial lifestyle than spend my time cutting up dead animals on an altar. And here's another truth that God engulfs what we offer up to him. Remember in one of Mark's previous sermons, he was saying that God is the only thing that can consume something and not destroy it. So he engulfs what we offer up to him and he doesn't destroy it. That's the difference. You see, when we lay down a sacrifice of our time, our talent, our treasures, it actually increases. It is engulfed and he does more with it than what we could possibly do on our own. So, not only to honor the new covenant, but also we desire the spiritual fire more than we desire what we're giving up. What does that mean? Well, if we're going to choose a sacrificial lifestyle, the key word in there is choice. We all have a choice. And I lived out this lesson in a very painful way a few years ago that I'm going to share with you. I have literally never told anybody this before today. Um, Not that it's a big deal, but I was... 
I was embarrassed and I was maybe a little bit ashamed. And so I've never told anybody this, but I learned a lesson about this, about what it is to want fire more than it is that you want the thing that you have to lay down for the fire. You see, a few years ago, a friend of mine runs a camp in San Francisco in the Redwoods, hours and hours outside of San Francisco. Um, And it's beautiful, but it's incredibly remote. And a few summers ago, I went to help her out. It's basically like a young life camp for adults. So it's awesome. But when I got there, there's no cell phone service. There's nothing. And we are sleeping in these incredibly rustic cabins all by ourselves. And for the first week, it just poured down rain. It just poured. Everything was soaking wet. I was freezing. Everyone was miserable. I think I had bronchitis. And one night, in the midst of this rain, I realized I have nothing left in my cabin. This is a 100% true story, by the way. I have nothing left in my cabin. I'm sleeping alone. The next cabin, I don't even know how far away it was. And I'm looking around. There's a potbelly stove, and I'm thinking, I have a little bit of dry wood, and I have nothing else to start a fire. And it is freezing, and I am alone, and I am terrified of snakes. So there's no way I'm going outside. And my eyes fall to a bookshelf that a few campers had left behind some tattered old random books. And literally everything in me goes, are you going to do it? Are you, are you honestly going to burn a book? Like everything in me, you guys, is opposed to this. Everything. If you know me, you will know that that is true. Um, it was painful. And so I go over to the bookshelf and I'm like, okay, which one is like worse for the wear? Which one is written in Spanish and no one's going to be able to read it anyway. Which one is like a romance novel that I don't want young campers reading this trash anyway? And so I pick through and I think, okay, which is the one I can sacrifice? But I did it. Mm, I did it. And I didn't tell my best friend because she's the director of the camp. I didn't want her to know how I got the fire started the next day. And every time I ripped those pages off, it hurt. Because again, I love books, you guys. This, I am so opposed to everything about what that stood for. But I needed the fire more than I needed that book to sit on a shelf. Or I needed the adventure of the story, the entertainment. I needed the fire because I knew that was what was going to get me through the night, through the sickness, through the fatigue, through the cold and the rain and everything else. I needed the fire and something something had to be sacrificed. And so that's the key. Do we desire the spiritual fire more than we desire the thing we're being asked to give up? The time on social media, the Starbucks coffees where we put our money, whatever it is, do we desire God and his fire and his presence more? Another reason why we do it is because we're human which means that our time and our talents and our treasures, these are limited resources, you guys. We are not God. We only have so much time in the day. We only have so much money in the bank account. And when we look at what we have to offer up, we have to pick and choose. We cannot be good at everything. We cannot take care of everything. And so something's gotta give, and we have to choose where it will be spent. Now, I liken this to um, thinning out a garden. If you guys have ever planted a garden, I love our garden. I spent a lot of time there. But the most painful part of the whole process for me is when it comes time to thin out the seedlings. Because you've spent so much time. You've planted these seeds. They've all grown. And when they get to be about three inches tall, you have to go out and you have to kill most of them. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not defective. 
But you can sit there and you can see an entire row of healthy plants and know something's gotta be sacrificed so that the other one can thrive. Are we willing to do that? If we only have so much time in the day and we only have so much money in the bank account and we've got these God-given gifts but we don't know what we're supposed to funnel those towards, we've gotta choose. And when we choose sacrifice, when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, and it's agonizing, I can spend the whole day out there and, and like cringe every time I have to pull out a healthy plant because it could have had fruit. But you know what? The only way the ones next to it are gonna grow to their potential and bear the fruit that they're meant to have is if everything else gets out of the way. It's the same in our lives. We've gotta make room for the spiritual fire and the spiritual growth and we can't do that if we don't make room for it. So how do we do this? Right? Consistency is key. It goes back to this original verse in Leviticus. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. We know that it's every morning. This is consistent, you guys. Sacrifice doesn't come in a one-off offering to the Lord. Don't try that. It won't be fruitful. It's not what he's called us to do. A lifestyle with anything, if it's working out, the way that you eat, its consistency is key, and we know that. The scripture tells us. But I also think it's more than that. I think that there's actually a cumulative effect to our offerings, if you've ever noticed that. If you pour yourself out for the Lord one time, you may not notice a fire right away. He's not gonna necessarily come on that very first tithe that you give and show up powerfully in your life in a spiritual way. You might not notice but there is a cumulative effect, and this is what I liken it to. You're standing at Starbucks, and you've got your cup of coffee. You rip open three sugar packets, and you dump them in, and you stir them in, and you take a drink. You don't even taste it. It's like you didn't even put those first three in. And then you try the fourth one. A little bit. We're still not there. By the time you get to that sixth, seventh sugar packet, the sweetness is there. Right, you take, a t you take a taste and you're like, oh, yep, the effects have kicked in. But the seventh one only works because you did one through six. And there is a cumulative effect in our spiritual life that when we make it into a lifestyle instead of a random here or there offering, that's when we're gonna see God's presence. We're gonna taste the effects of those sacrifices. So I would encourage you guys, as I was thinking through this, like, Lord, what does that look like? How do we get there? How do we get to a sacrificial lifestyle instead of these one-off offerings for show? And I think this is the key. We begin with small offerings in the dark, in the private parts of our life when it's just between us and God until that gets transformed into a sacrificial lifestyle. Here's what I mean. Don't go out and clear out your bank account in one big offering to the church and say, there you go, God, do something with it, and then show up. He, he could, he would. I'm sure, you know, Horizon would be grateful, but that's not what God's calling you to do. What it does mean is that you start small to make it sustainable. Maybe instead you start with little increments of time, that 15 minutes before you fall asleep at night where you're scrolling through Instagram, Maybe that 15 minutes gets handed over to the Lord. You say, I'm gonna pray. 
that hour a week of kind of trashy TV that you know doesn't leave your soul feeling very good, maybe say, I'm going to give that one up. And I'm going to give this over to God in a different way. Start small. Make it real. Make it private. This is between you and the Lord. The big stuff, the big shows, the big offerings, the big sacrifices, those will come. You will work your way up to it. And maybe you are called to be a missionary. And maybe you are called to sell your house and give everything away. But don't start there. Because it's going to be in vain. It's going to be like the prophets of Baal. Making a big show of themselves and cutting themselves. And oh, look at me. Look how much I'm willing to suffer for my God. Well, their God didn't exist. And so don't do that. Just start small. And it's between the two of you. And he will. As we know from scripture, he will show up. Sacrifice after sacrifice that you give, he will show up. His presence will show up. Your life will be transformed. And you will have a sacrificial lifestyle. This comes out of Romans 12. This was um, Paul writing his letter to the Romans, and he says to them, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I love this because I think when he's talking to the Romans, yes, he's talking about their bodies, but I think he meant all of it, right? Our spiritual life, our physical bodies, our money, our time, our resources. He's saying, offer it all as a living sacrifice, guys. When you do, when you give that form of worship, God's going to show up. And the way that he does it is through the renewing of your mind. Now, This was interesting. Last week, my husband and I were at a foster parent um, conference, and we heard a lot of sessions. And over and over, what they talked about was this phenomenon called neuroplasticity, that our brain, no matter what we've been conditioned to do, no matter how we've been conditioned to respond to a situation or a trauma or whatever, our brains can literally change. With consistent, consistency is key, Consistent action and behaviors. That's what the key is. So as he's talking about being transformed by the renewing of our minds, it's more than just brains having neuroplasticity. Our spiritual lives have neuroplasticity. Do you know that? Do you know that our spiritual lives can actually be transformed in the way we make day-to-day choices? And the things that we've been so conditioned to do, holding our money tight because it's mine and I worked hard for it. Spending our 15 minutes a day on social media or TV or whatever, whatever just robs you. All of that can change, but it takes a lifestyle of sacrifice and consistency. So this was amazing to me. I thought, wow, I'm learning so much about neuroplasticity, and I'm glad that that relates to my journey as a foster parent. But what about our spiritual journeys with God? This is what it is, guys. Transformation into a lifestyle of sacrifice comes through consistent actions, the renewing of our mind, God can literally restore and transform the way that we live. And when we do, when we choose those actions over and over and over again, we know that his fire is gonna fall because fire always falls on our sacrifice. So I want you guys as the worship team 
comes back up, I want you to think about a few things. This is just between you and God. So if you want to close your eyes, I'm going to pose a few questions, and I want you to actually let it sink in, and I want you to wait. Wait and see if you hear from the Lord, okay? So the first question is this. What are you offering up to God to keep your, your spiritual fire burning? Currently today, right now, what is it that you are good at offering up to God? Next, what are you resistant to giving up? And where can you start? Usually one of the three areas comes to mind. Maybe you are great at giving your time, but you hold on to your treasures. Maybe your talents, your God-given talents, are not something you're really willing to give over to him quite yet because you're scared of where he's gonna take you. So think about this. What are you resistant to giving up? And where could you start? And then lastly, what would a lifestyle of sacrifice mean to you specifically? It will be different for each of you, but what would an actual lifestyle mean to you? And what image, what vision does that conjure up? I'm going to end in prayer. I hope for some of you, God spoke very clearly, planted some seeds, brought some things to mind of what might that entail. I'm going to end in prayer, and then we'll have the worship team close us out. Lord, I'm grateful that your presence falls on our sacrifice. A lot of times we don't feel like it's worthy. We don't feel like our sacrifice is enough. But God, you say that it's enough as long as it's pure and as long as it's for you, Lord. God, I just ask that whatever you brought to mind in the areas that we're doing really well in and in the areas where we could improve in, God, I ask that this week you bring opportunities to mind to the forefront for people to serve you better, to lay ourselves down and lay down an offering for you to prove your ability to consume it, to light us on fire. God, I ask that as you meet us where we're at this week, that you just come and you consume every single sacrifice and every single offering that is laid down by everyone in this room this week. God, that you just come and you prove that your promise remains, that the new covenant is just as big and important as the old one. Lord, we love you. We offer up our lives to you. I pray that every single person in the room today and every single person who hears this podcast down the road, that something in them is ignited, something they haven't felt in a really long time, and that they joyfully and willingly choose a sacrificial life for you, God. It's in your name that we pray, amen.